Welcome to Season 1, Episode 8 of the Red Diamond Report Podcast. I'm your host, Milton Jackson. In today's episode, I spoke with Pierre Robinson, an anchor and multimedia journalist at KNOE-TV in Monroe, Louisiana. I've had the privilege of knowing Pierre for over a decade, going back to the days at Jim Hill High School, to days at Southern Miss in journalism classes, to being members of the Kappa Oda chapter of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. He is a brother by fret, but we've seen each other through some crazy times. In fact, in the summer of 2016, when I was interning in Hattiesburg, it was his apartment where I lived on a blow-up mattress or crashed on his couch throughout the month of July. That seems like forever ago, right? Sometimes life comes at you fast. Those humble beginnings have grown into a lifelong bond, infamous laughs, talks about sports, and sharing our talents in the world of journalism. Sit back and get ready to listen as he discusses his path to journalism, the role of a journalist in today's society, the impact of sports on society, his love for Boston sports, and more. This is Season 1, Episode 8 of the Red Diamond Report Podcast, The Power of Journalism and Sports. Let's get it. Welcome to the Red Diamond Report Podcast with your host, Wilson Jackson. And today we have Mr. Pierre Robinson. Pierre, it's good to have you on. Man, look, you know, Wilson, I've been uh, <laughs> I've been uh, on your head about getting on the uh, the podcast, you know, for a while now. So I'm glad, you know, schedules met up, be able to get up on the show with you, man. And, uh, you know, of course, I'm proud of you for, uh, you know, where you've been able to bring the uh, Red Diamond Report to uh, where it's at, so, you know, good to be here, so. So for everybody who doesn't know, this young man, I've been knowing him since we were in high school. We go all the way back to Jim Hill, went to USM, University of Southern Mississippi, and now we're both reporters. Like, you know, he's working in, in, in Louisiana and I'm in Mississippi, and I mean, it's just, it's like, it's crazy that that was just only a few years ago. Man, and you know, anytime people ask me about how I know you, before anything else, you know, just because we run in similar circles and stuff like that. And I'll be having to tell people, I'm like, look, like, all right, we're frat brothers, you know, we're doing the same type of deal. But I'm like, man, I knew Wilton from like when we were teens, like, you know, 13, 14 years old. And so, um, you know, back then, not knowing that our paths would meet up exactly. the way that it did. But, uh, you know, it's been uh, it's been a journey. You know, we've been through a lot of stuff, we've seen a lot of stuff, uh, have uh, <laughs> a lot yeah. of highs, a lot of lows and stuff. But, uh, man, it's it's been crazy. And, uh, you know, it's been a blessing just to uh, be able to know you over these past, uh, I mean, 10 years, 10 plus almost. So. Yeah, like we we, we really get no, like slightly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sli- getting slightly getting old. But, yeah, man, so, like, just to jump right into it, like, so tell everybody a little bit about what you do and, and where you're working at. Right. So... Um, I'm a multimedia journalist. Uh, you know, that's the new age, new name for reporters, just because we're uh, considered one man bands. Right. And, uh, you know, for people that might not know exactly what that means, uh, Wilton knows it's you shoot, you edit, you voice, track, and you're in front of the camera. So, like, basically, you do the whole nine, you put it all together yourselves. And so that's uh, currently what I am. Uh, I currently work for KNOE TV, which is the ABC station in Monroe, Louisiana, which is, uh, we cover the Northwest region of the state, um, including a couple counties in 
Arkansas and Mississippi. And uh, also a fill-in anchor. Um, whenever someone is out, they'll call me up, be like, hey, Pete, need you up on the desk. And, you know, that's what I do. So, right. uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, it's definitely something. It's definitely something, you know, to work in, uh, in news. It's, you know, one of those things where you really got to have a passion to do and uh, realize that what the choice that we've made, uh, you know, for a career, you know, you really got to have a passion for it. You really do. And so um, I've grown to love what I do. And, you know, it's a rewarding experience. Um, it's taught me a lot, allowed me to grow a lot as a person. Um, definitely revealed a lot about myself too. So, you know, graduating in 2016, now been in the business for, for four years now. And so, you know, hopefully, um, only been in for four, hopefully I got another 40 in my belt. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, that's where, that's where I'm at right now. So you, you talk about like, you know, you know, somewhat of your journey of what you've dealt with now, what made you even interested in journalism? Man, what's, What's crazy was that, uh, you know, growing up in Jackson and, you know, every morning you're getting all ready for school. My mom always had the TV on either JTV or APT or, um, uh, you know, just any type of news. We even if it was just, you know, Good Morning America or whatever. And, you know, watching the greats like uh, Howard Blue, Maggie Wade and stuff like that. And, legends. You know, yeah, legends, Jackson legends. And so, you know, at the time, I really wasn't conscious of the fact of the influence that that was putting on me. But I just remember sitting one day like, you know, I can see myself doing that, you know, and started to do my research, uh, found out that so the Miss, um, which is where we went to school at, has a um, great mass communications program. And, you know, before I knew it, I dove headfirst into it, not knowing everything that goes into being a journalist. But once I decided to uh, invest myself into it, learn more about the, um, um, the business, and wanted to make that career choice, it, you know, kind of just all fell into place. And so, you know, I feel like it's working out so far. Right. I mean, <laughs> not that you, you know, you started off in, in, in most people wouldn't know this, but they can always, you know, do the research. You start off in Meridian as a producer, then you become a reporter, mm -hmm. then you become an anchor, and then you move on to Louisiana. And and now like you're doing, you're, you're pretty much doing it. Like you're a reporter and you're also anchoring. And like what you're what every bit of 25, yeah, well, 26, just 26. turned 26. Just turned so, 26, so, right. Yeah. So like I said, and um, again, having to take those steps to uh, get to where I'm at now. And, you know, my journey is still far from over. Um, I'm still um, got a lot of room to grow, a lot of room for improvement. And uh, kind of like how you said, it started off as uh, just a producer at first, um, knowing that I want to be a reporter and just uh, taking a position right out of school just to, you know, get my foot inside the door. And so got my foot in the door, my news director at the time, um, he knew that I wanted to be a uh, reporter. And so he told me, stay the track, 
stay the course, we'll make it happen. And uh, produced for about uh, six, seven months. And then the opportunity came and uh, it's been full steam ahead ever right. since then. So, uh, you know, just, I took advantage of that first opportunity and I, um, you know, turned it to put me on the path that I'm at now. And, and, and one thing in, in our fields is that it, it takes that first opportunity to get in the door. Right. And once right. you get, and once you get in the door, you you start to do the things that you're doing now. So part of that, like, what do you find yourself enjoying the most about the job that you do now? Man, you know, I was having this conversation with um, my mom probably about a week ago, and the part that I enjoy the most is just being able to meet different people from different spectrums that I feel as if, if I would have chosen any other different career, I would not have the opportunity to intermingle between so many different types of people. I mean, just uh, from politics, people in entertainment, people in sports, um, people in criminal justice, um, educators. And so just being able to meet and interact with those people, being able to rub elbows, gain knowledge from them. Um, I mean, that's, that's the best part. That, that, that really is. Um, and I've met a lot of great people over the short few years that I have been doing this. And, you know, it's a, um, it's a uh, experience. It right. really is. And uh, it's something that I don't take for granted. Because kind of like how I said, again, if I really do feel like that if I would have chosen any other different career path, that I would not have the opportunity to meet so many great people. So, yeah, that's by far the best part. Right. And and not only meeting those people, but being able to, you know, to be able to tell their stories. And like, especially right. in years like the year that we've had now in 2020, it's almost kind of like when we woke up leaving 2019, it was like, okay, well, you know, we're in a, we're in a new year. We're thinking it's going to kind of go at least somewhat normal, but everything about 2020 has been different from the very first month, even to where we are now and, and knowing that we still have less than, you know, less than two months or uh, less than three months. Um, remaining in this year so that's a good segue because I wanted to ask you this in a COVID-19 environment and with everything that's been going on in society with you know uh, you know black people being killed at the hands of uh, you know police brutality and all of that why is the role of a journalist now more important than ever and so I'll start by saying this and I'm glad you actually asked this question because um, you know last week a story that I did kind of made um, some some major major headway. There was a a man here about a year ago that died in police custody, and I had the opportunity to speak to his mom and other family members. And the story gained attention from some high-profile people like uh, Meek Mill. Sean King, um, the Associated Press, uh, CNN, they have done stories after we initially brought it to light. And so the, the role of journalists 
right now as far as um, the fight for racial equality, um, COVID-19, we serve a, a pivotal role in history because we're the ones writing it. Right. So you like, you know, just having the foresight of knowing that we're going to be talking about this for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. We have to make sure that when that time comes, that the next generation understands accurately what happened. So right. like, yeah, so like, like literally, we really have the tools and the power right now to shape history. And it's something that, you know, you kind of don't realize in the moment, but taking a step back and again, just having the foresight to think like, man, you know, we gonna have some story to tell our kids, you know, telling, you know, people that we uh, interact with, um, you know, folks that's not even born yet, not even a thought about, right. they're going to go back and look at 2020 as, you know, one of the most pivotal points in, um, I mean, human history. So right. the power that we have right now, we got to make sure that we tell the story accurately. And um, because, you know, when it comes to all the notion of fake news, um, alternative facts and stuff like that, you know, we want to make sure that we're telling stories the right way. And so when we look back years from now, you don't want to be the ones to be like, man, they not, you know, they didn't tell that right. Let me exactly. tell you what actually happened. They, they missed so, some facts. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, you hear, um, hear that a lot with, you know, old heads that, you know, we might know to be like, Man, I know you probably learned that in school, but this will really happen. So exactly, it's not. Yeah, so it's our responsibility to make sure that um, you know, when kids, no matter what version that they read or see, that that's the truth that happened. Right, absolutely right. And and knowing that you know, and considering everything that has happened this year in society, like you know, one thing about it, we knew, you know, in society there was a society where everything was at one point in time. If you were a reporter, was everything COVID? And, you know, obviously mm -hmm. with all the things going on with police brutality and the killing of, of, of African-Americans, when sports came back, it was just kind of like, you know, we're glad that sports came back. And it's oh, just yeah. like, you know, something that kind of breaks up the monotony between the, the, the wrong and the racial injustices going on and then also a, a world pandemic. Where would you say sports fits in, into that? Now, I know you're a news reporter, but where would you say that sports fits into that, in, in, into society? Man what's was crazy and you know some people might not want to admit it but um no matter how you cut it sports is extremely important to society now and not even just being a a fan of the game or you know whatever sport that you might um uh follow or have like a favorite team or a favorite player but you know, sports gives us a break from reality. Right. And even more than now, the talks about mental health, um, you know, taking care of yourself, if it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, sports creates that, that moment in time to where people can actually take a breath, be like, man, I just had the toughest day but 
if I go home, I'd be like, man, I'm a LeBron James, you know, LeBron James fan. I can see my boy play tonight. Right. You know, that two hour break in between of actually watching a game, seeing someone that you look up to or, you know, admire go out there and put their all on the line that might even re um, you know, uh, reignite some type of motivation within yourself. Like, man, I see Braun out about, you know, he going through this and that he's doing this, you know, why can't I? So like I said, it, it gives that, um, that break in reality to, um, you know, gives us some time to, to decompress and that's extremely important. And um, also with the, uh, the power that these, uh, these athletes hold and, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing to see most of these guys that have uh, been on the forefront and being able to um, voice their opinions when it comes to um, racial injustice and everything that's been going on. I mean, from, you know, LeBron, uh, Russell Westbrook, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, um, you know, those guys has been on the front lines and, you know, actually seeing them and them realizing the power that they have to actually invoke some change and, you know, not saying that athletes are going to be the ones to make the change in society themselves, but I feel as if their influence will either spark the change from somebody else or, you know, again, their influence will help whoever else is on that same journey kind of actually reaching that point for them so like i said sports right now is more important than ever i think uh again probably the most important that it's been and in, in you know in human history so you know it's uh it's a year it's a right. year man 2020 has been crazy right and i think you know just within just 2020 with everything that's happened i think back to like the 60s when you know with the civil rights movement of you know of what was going on in this country and granted we even what's going on in 2020 is not will never e actually equate to what happened during that time but having seen everything that has happened it makes it makes me think about that but then too i just think about like you know just remembering the level of excitement and looking at sports from a different way when um the documentary of the last dance came out i mean yeah. no games were going on no yeah. no soccer no hockey no baseball no basketball no football and everybody was tuned in to what michael jordan and the chicago bulls like like everybody wanted to know about that like i feel like for me and i'm gonna pose this question to you how did how did that documentary somewhat just kind of change the way the overall way that we looked at sports man you know first off you know you gotta talk about the dynamic of mj himself right um you know wildly recognized as uh the goat you know if you don't think he's the goat he's two you know and no lower than three depending on who you arguing with right. so you know and the the mystique of mj you know there's you know that that quality about him to where you know he's such an interesting person to to study and to know of course you know rest in peace kobe bryant but kobe was obsessed with mj right. with everything that he you know he did on the court and you know us as, as fans seeing the last dance 
a lot of people probably didn't realize how obsessed that they are with MJ, you know, and just being on, um, you know, he has the quality to where like, you know, we hang on every word that he says. So it was like the whole time I'm watching every episode, what was funny was that every episode would air when I was filling in uh, on the desk. So I'm on the desk getting ready for the 10 o'clock show and I got my phone right here because I'm trying to watch the last dance before the right. intro music come on. Right. Um, so, you know, the man, it was it was something. It was something, definitely one of the best. And I've seen a lot of sports documentaries too, but um, the the point that it came, because again, a lot of people didn't realize was that they rushed to get the last dance on. Like it wasn't supposed to premiere at the time that it did. Right. Uh, but, you know, because of COVID people realized like, man, we need something. Is some, some day, to some talk about. of hope, right. Yeah. Like he's been run out of stuff to talk about anyway. So, they, you know, so they, uh, they needed something. And so when the last dance came, it, um, uh, man, it shook up like social media for a whole, man, I had, you know, my mama calling me. She was like, man, MJ was really that crazy. I was like, man, <laughs> yeah, he was a nut. Uh, yeah. Like I said, my mom, she was a, um, uh, a big Isaiah Thomas fan. Oh, so when they did that, yeah. So when yeah. they did that episode about uh, you know with him and Zeke, uh, she she loved it, and so you know right. it really bridged um, a lot of people together. Um, probably bridged uh, family members together, um, coworkers. Um, you know, just at a time to where things really seemed lost. Man, the last dance was right on time. It was right, perfect. right, absolutely right. So that's perfect to go into another segue. So for, for those who don't know, this young man that I'm talking to is a huge Boston sports fanatic. Huge, through and through. The Red Sox, the Patriots, and the Celtics. Yes, sir. So you know my first question that I have to ask is Tom Brady to Tampa Bay. <laughs> what did you, what, like when you, when you saw that move that day, what went through your mind? All right, so uh, let's backtrack to that uh, that playoff game against Tennessee. Uh, mm -hmm. Never forget, it was J5. Mm -hmm. It was J5. Uh, matter of fact, no, it was uh, January 4th going into J5. Mm -hmm. And, uh, man, I'm watching that game. I'm seeing how Tennessee playing. I'm seeing how Brady playing. I'm seeing how the team playing. And, and man, the rivals on the wall. The writing was on the wall for a while. Yeah. Um, everyone knew about the uh, um, the rift between him and Bill. Um, I mean, even Josh McDaniels, who's our uh, OC. Right. Um, so it was like, it's one of those things where like, I knew it, like I knew it was going to happen, but you don't want to believe it until you actually see it. And so I knew when free agency hit, I was like, yeah, Brady not coming back, bro. He not. He not. And so, honestly, I thought he was going to end up in L.A. I thought, uh, I think, yeah, like, I, I really thought. I think everybody thought, thought that was the favorite. Yeah, I really thought that it was going to be the Chargers. But then when I saw uh, what Tampa Bay was willing to do with Jameis, and I was just like, man, okay. You know, you got Mike Evans, who's a win healthy. Exactly. Considered the top five, you know, right. top five receiver. Uh, Chris Godwin, who had a crazy season um, last year, um, you had um, 
OJ Howard just towards Achilles, so so he's out for the year. But um, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, compared to what New England was offering, I mean, we man, it was like rags to riches. Right. So um, you know, to see it, it was like, man, that's tough. Just because you know, anybody that knows me know that Brady could do no wrong in my eyes, like Not even with whatsoever. Yeah, so like you know, <laughs> even between the sub rule, the alleged um, uh, deflate the gate, gate. Yes. yeah, you know, like all that. I was, you know, his biggest defender. Like I was like, man, Brady could do no wrong in me. Mm-hmm. But you know, when he did that, I, you know, with the Tampa Bay, I was like, man, gotta cut ties from, gotta right. cut ties. And so a lot of people asked me, it was like, man, Perry, you know, you're a Brady fan, or you're a Patriots fan. I was like, man, my allegiance is to. New England. And so, you know, Brady, he not on my team anymore. He can't do nothing for my boys. So it is what it is. And then he went and called and got Gronk off the couch, which that's a whole nother conversation. I got some stuff about him that I can't say in the podcast. <laughs> but but uh but yeah, man, when he pulled Gronk off the couch, well out the WWE ring because he yeah. was doing his own good thing. But uh yeah, but yeah, um they got a shot. They got a shot. Um so you know, especially in the uh, NFC South, that's probably mm, next to the NFC West, yes. the most yeah, the most competitive division in football. So right. um, you know, of course Atlanta has had a I just at this point, I just want Atlanta to win a game. Like th- yeah. that's how I, I just want yeah. them to win a game. That's it. But <laughs> like I said, the uh the talent level, like I said, it's a long season. You still got 12 more games. Right, uh, right. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Right. So um, but you know, between like I said, Atlanta could be honestly, there's no secret, they can be anybody any given Sunday. The Saints right. could be anybody any given Sunday. Right. Um, same with uh Tampa Bay. And so um, you know, it was just you know, one of those things. Right. And so with, you know, the Patriots now, like, I mean, I know you watched the Monday night game. I mean, yeah, I've never yeah. seen Bill Belichick look so irritated before. I mean, it's like without Cam Newton right now, this is not even a New England Patriots team that looks worth of anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just for with context, um, First off, Brown Hoare is terrible. Yeah. He's terrible. He's terrible. Jared Stidham, that was his first NFL, like, legit action. He played a few snaps last year. How I remember was because he threw a um, a pick six to Jamal Adams. That was the easiest catch. Intercept. You know, yeah. yeah, but um, Cam caught COVID literally 48 hours before a game. So – you're asking the coach to come up with a whole new game plan against the defending champs within 48 hours. So, you know, you are already fighting um, that, that aspect of the game, but man, it was rough. Um, And like I said, we had opportunities, right? We got down to the red zone twice, um, came away with nothing. Our defense was going out there for some turnovers and, and some bad calls by the refs too, granted. But um, man, it was it it was a rough game. It was rough. Uh, hopefully, 
like I said, they postponed our game against Denver the Monday night. Right. I would love to see them just 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 throw Jerry Stidham out there and just see like what would happen. And uh, you know, I just can't wait till we get Cam back because uh, I feel like with Cam, we got a fighter's chance against anybody. And he's proven that. Uh, first time he's been healthy in probably four years. So, right. um, yeah, we're gonna see. We're gonna see. I'm I'm optimistic, cautiously optimistic. Moving on to the next Boston team, the Celtics. Now I'm not gonna lie, yeah. I picked the Celtics to make it to the finals. And Man. the way that Jimmy Butler and that Miami squad, I mean, it just made them look like I, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I mean, after the first game, I said, okay, it was a fluke. You know, they're getting adjusted or whatever. But then I said, game two and game three, I'm like, nah, Miami's pretty good. Like, they're a young team. And, like, and one thing I've learned over the years, a lot of times, you know, one team may have more talent, but it's about matchups. Who can play this who can check this player who can you know play the best to this player at this point in time especially in the playoffs like when you get to the playoffs regular season doesn't matter anymore like and, and then this was such a unusual year for playoffs right so mm-hmm. you know what i noticed about boston is that you know you know everybody knows the story about you know jason tatum he was working out with kobe and you know he was basically trying to become the man but it's like in some of these moments that we watch the celtics is he is he supposed to become the man, or is it supposed to be someone else to become the man in Boston? Man, look, you know, you know, and if anybody knows me, know how I feel about number zero, Jason Tatum. Man, and Jason Tatum has he has everything. He has it. He really does. What I feel like our issue going up against Miami was literally like what you said matchups um bam out of bayou man he's a man he's a terrific player um tyler hero duncan robinson um and then like i said you got jimmy goran Dragic, um shoot kelly olenic um like they got some dogs right and just matchup wise it just man they they were the better team and what's um, what's crazy is that I think, if I'm not mistaken, every every game that Miami won, Boston had a lead going into the fourth. So it really was just like who could play better down the stretch. Right. And Miami proved it. And they knocked us out. So, um, like I said, man, Bam. It was you know that's Boston's biggest uh, biggest weakness. Uh, no big man. I mean, Daniel Tice. He, he's you know, in my opinion, he's a good player, but limited, of course, because um, of his size. He's only 6'9". Um, we have Robert Williams, um, who is a raw talent type player out of uh, A&M, second year in the league. Um, so, but, you know, he's limited. Um, IQ is not the best. Um, a lot to work on. Like I said, a raw prospect at this point. But, um, like I said, man, and then Tyler Hero, man, I can't say enough about him. Right. He just I, went out there. He bust, you know, he, he busts us up. Right. I think a lot of people didn't expect for him to to make that type of statement in, in the playoffs. You yeah. know, it's no, it's no disrespect of, of, of his game, like, you know, up until this point. But I think in the playoffs, I mean, I'm just, you know, calling facts, facts. Kimmel Walker, I was just like, Yeah. If you yeah, didn't know I who mean, Tyler Hero was, you know now. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, a lot of people were saying too, and Danny Ainge came out and said it that Kimball wasn't a hundred percent healthy, which right. I don't think he was, but again, that's not an excuse. Right, um, it's the playoffs. But yeah, it's the playoffs. And again, too, if we were playing in the garden with the fans and stuff, could it be different? Who knows? Right. If we would have went down there to South Beach, could it have been different? I mean, who knows? Right. Um, so, but to still ask a 20-year-old Tyler Hero to do what he did, man, is, you know, is remarkable. And, you know, I think now at this point, Braun is going to go in and lock up, get that fourth ring. But, you know, what, what that Miami team was able to accomplish should not be um, Taken for understated. Yeah, right. like yeah, like understated or um, undervalued, even though it was a bubble year. Because, man, they are a great team, and they'll be right back in the thick of it when things get back to normal. So, you know, Miami gonna be around for a while. Right. They can keep, uh, like I said, those guys. And man, you know, you know how Pat Riley roll. He yeah, like absolutely. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, he 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 like it. He gonna keep you. So. Um, right. I can see Tyler Hero's gonna be there for a while. Duncan's gonna be there for a while. Bam is gonna be there for a while. Jimmy looks like he's happy. Right. So we're gonna see. We're gonna see. Do you think the I hate to use the word demise of the Celtics or their fall down in, in the playoffs? Like, do you think mm-hmm. their reason of not moving on to the next round? Do you think it was because of coaching or just literally it was just based off the matchups? Man, just uh just play and matchups. Um, because again. Even if you go back to that Toronto series, honestly, Toronto, we were supposed to swept them, but then gave up the lead in the fourth. And then Norman Powell hit that three with like point, what, four seconds left, hit a buzzer beat. And next thing you know, we going seven games. Right. With these guys. Um, just got to learn how to close out. Um, I do think Brad Stevens was outcoached by Spolstra, mm-hmm. um, because Spolstra, I mean, honestly, he might be the best coach in basketball. He might. Right. He might be. And he doesn't he get be. a lot of credit. He doesn't. He doesn't. But, I mean, if if you, eh, you know, you want to concede to, to Popovich, all right, cool. But um, I think if you ask a lot of the, you know, guys around the league, where would they put Spolstra, they'll probably either say, you know, he's top three. I feel like a lot of people say he's top three. So, um, but yeah, so it's a mix. It's a mix between all of it. I want to say um, he was out coached down the stretch um, matchups just because, like I said, um, Miami definitely matched up uh, better against us. And, um, you know, just performance and play, man, you know, when it comes down to shoot, you got to make certain shots and you got to get some stops and, you know, one team, did what they had to do and the other didn't. So like I said, man, they'll we'll be back. We'll be back next year. Um gotta figure out what uh Gordon Hayward's situation is gonna be. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, Gordon uh got still got a lot of work he has to do to uh get back at the uh all-star level player that we've seen him um be at. So we're gonna see. We're gonna see. Like I said, we'll be in the thick. We'd be right up there with Miami, right back up there with Toronto, right back up there with Milwaukee, uh, right. Brooklyn. Now that they got KD and Kyrie over yep. there. So, They'll yeah, be it'll, too. it'll be an interesting race in the East. Switching over to baseball, 
What is it that the Red Sox are missing just to get back I, to, to where they were? I can tell you is that uh, uh, that guy over there with the uh, in the blue and white. <laughs> with the bouquet, that's exactly what it is. Yep. That's exactly what it is, man. Yep. And um, man, baseball is the most frustrating but yet intriguing sport when it comes to talent mm -hmm. because it's all about whether the owner and GM want to pay their luxury tax. And right. so with Boston, you know, Alex Cora, our manager got fired because of the um, uh, cheating allegations. Right. Stuff. And then, you know, with Mookie's contract, got ready to come up. Um, Mookie's arguably the second best player in baseball. Right. Um, to where I was screaming, bro, make him a Red Sox for make him a Red Sox for life. Like right. throw him the bag. And so they were just like, man, you know, we had a, a number of large contracts. Um, the David Price contract was really what was biting uh, Boston in the butt. Um, JD Martinez had um, gotten a um, you know a deal. I think he has a um, an opt out after this season is over. If you want to opt in or opt out, um, other guys we got to pay Andrew um, Benatendi, uh, Raphael Devers. So younger guys that they felt as if um, they could that they would rather spend money on and throwing Mookie uh, about three hundred mil. So, man, like I said, that hurt me to see yeah. two of my guys, Brady and Mookie, all dip out in the same offseason. So, um, at this point, too, and then the pitcher rotation. Um, right. Heard Chris L down. His his arm looks like it's giving out on him. Um, right. Then, um, I think it was Rodriguez. He had a, a heart condition to where he couldn't play this year because of COVID. And so – Man, we gotta get some uh, some pitches in there. We gotta get Chris Sale healthy. Um, I think as far as bats go, like actually putting numbers up, I feel like we have uh, we got enough bats to be competitive. We're still missing a big swinger, um, mm -hmm. so hopefully we can probably get somebody uh, this offseason. But we gotta get some pitching. That's right. really what it is, though. And um, you know. There were talks about us bringing back Alex Cora too because we fired a other manager after this terrible year. So, what you gonna see? I feel like it might be a couple more years uh, before we get back into the mix. So we've talked about a lot. I mean, we talked about you know the power of journalism and and, and journalists in today's society. We've talked about the way sports mm -hmm. fits into society. So you know, Perry. Granted, you know. Yes, you're a news reporter, but, you know, there's often that we also know that, you know, you have interest in sports. So if people wanted to follow you in terms of, you know, your latest news stories or, um, you know, whether it's, you know, following you on Twitter with all the shenanigans that you have for <laughs> Tom Brady and the Patriots and all the Celtics, you know, right. I mean, all the um, Boston, you know, sports things that's going on, like how could they follow you? Oh, yeah, man. Uh, absolutely. On uh, Twitter, of course, very active uh, on there the uh p rob report um you can find me on there um i talk about a lot of stuff uh 
you know, I'll post my stories that I do, but of course, you know, I uh, uh, dabble in sports talk and, you know, whatever else, you know, nothing too crazy because, you know, it is still my professional page, but, right. you know, I, uh, I definitely let my uh, opinions uh, uh, out so that people can know exactly right. a little bit more about me. Uh, also, Instagram, too, at P. Robinson Reports. Facebook at P. Robinson, uh, P. Robinson News. So, even between those three, like right. I said, you can find me, chat with me. You know, I talk none, you know, for me to pick up and boop, 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 you know. Right. If I don't, right there talking about stuff. Right. For those who don't know, you might catch them tweeting about, you know, uh, Canes with the box combo. <laughs> so small, like, you know, he'll be like, you know, debate your mama if you got, if you get, it's just law. Cane addicts, man. Cane addicts. Cane yeah. addicts. Anybody yeah. knows that, like, back in, back in high school, this is like 2008, nine. We were eating box combos, no saw, extra toast. Sweet tea. With the sweet tea. <laughs> this is nothing new. This is nothing new. This is nothing new. After just driving out there, you know, we stay out in uh, South Jackson, West Jackson. We driving out, you know, all the way out north. Right. Just to go get a combo. Get on back, you know. So, uh, yeah, you know, I, I talk about some stuff. Yeah. I talk about it. Stay tuned for episode nine of the Red Diamond Report podcast next week. Until then, make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at the RDR Report and follow me on Twitter at Wilton Reports and on Instagram at Wilton Reports underscore.